Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you today on this Monday, the 24th of August of 2020. I pray that you have all have had a good weekend um, where so much things are happening around the world, um, so many exciting things and, and prophetic things that are taking place. Every day on the news, it seems like something new is taking place as a sign, as a confirmation that Jesus is coming back again. And uh, as always, we are so delighted to have you uh, listen and tune in to this podcast. It's always a pleasure for us and a privilege to be able to study the Word of God together. And today in our panel, we have uh, Brother Marty, uh, Brother Fernando, and Brother Jeremiah joining us today. And it's always an honor to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, I will leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart. We have had some, Brother Marty, we have had some tremendous uh, studies in the book of Jeremiah and, and the things that God has been showing us and is going to show us. So I'm looking forward to a, a week this week uh, of powerful revelation that God is going to bring. Revelation not just for our knowledge and understanding, but revelation to cause us, to cause our hearts to draw near and to look up for our redemption draws near. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. It's good to uh, begin a new week as we continue uh, in our studies in Jeremiah. And, uh, you know, I have to confess, early on in this uh, in this series of, uh, of beginning our podcast way back in March, now I think it's when we started, um, I I kept wanting to uh to go to the book of Jeremiah. You know, the uh, the Lord has had me studying the prophets for a few years now and and really uh digging in depth into what he was saying. But it made sense to me uh just recently that as we began Jeremiah cuz we were basically held back from going there and and it really wasn't time yet. And I encourage those that are listening to uh, take the time uh, to go back to the very first podcast that we did. And uh, I think we're up to, uh, I don't even know how many now, over 100 podcasts <laughs> that we have been teaching, uh, which is right. just incredible, you know. And, uh, and, and to see the flow of the Spirit and where we've come to. Uh, because that's why we're looking at Jeremiah now, and by permission of the Lord, because a lot of these scriptures are very difficult uh, to to dig into and to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. It requires the Holy Spirit, and always with a with an eye toward the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, because that is that is the reason that that we're we're ministering, is that we would begin to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord, prepare ourselves, prepare our families and inspire others to search the word and, uh, and and to find the answers that we need for the times that we find ourselves in. Because make no mistake about it, the times that we're living in right now, they are unique, as we were talking about before we began the podcast today together. These are unique in the history of the world. What is actually happening is very, very unique in the history of the world because it involves every nation on the planet, everyone everywhere is being affected by what's happening right now and there are incredible forces 
uh, at play right now, uh, attempting to bring about uh, what it is that they are endeavoring to do and really have been endeavoring to do since the beginning of time. Because as the Apostle Paul told us, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood here. What we are experiencing is not the mere exercise of human will, mm. but we are actually dealing with, with satanic influence uh, that is seeking to, to resist uh, the plan of God and the purposes of God. And, and these are the kinds of things that we need to understand and meditate on so that we can understand as well the kinds of things that you're going to be experiencing uh, as we find ourselves in these times. Because I know by the Spirit of God and I know by the things that, that, that are revealed that there are many people that are dealing with all kinds of issues apart from the overall big picture here, you know, whether it's the riots in the streets or the, the natural disasters that are occurring, what's happening in the church, the kind of division that's taking place as two messages are beginning to form and emerge, uh, the hurricanes, the fires, the floods, the famines, the political intrigue, all of it are, are big picture things that we're all dealing with, the, 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 the pandemic, all of it. But whenever there are, are moves of this sort where you see high-level uh, spiritual warfare taking place, it is, it is inevitable that what is on the inside of us and what we are as human beings, uh, whether we be of the world or of the church, we're all going to be reacting one way or another. And some of us out there those of you listening, you're going to see people and maybe even yourself go through some of the most unique uh, spiritual, complicated, internal things that you're dealing with. And, and, and understand they're not something that's disconnected from what's happening overall. It's a, it's a it's product of it. <laughs> Whenever the spirit is moving in this way, uh, whenever you see darkness manifesting as it is, understand that something has been allowed to be unleashed. Subsequently, every weakness, every flaw, every uh, inconsistency that is present within the community of the believers is going to be exacerbated it's going to manifest itself. And then there's those who walk with God. They're going to sense the, 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 the intensity of it, the weight of it. In other words, I'm saying it, yes. it manifests itself in many, many different ways. Right. And you need to be aware of that so that we can uh, understand how to navigate ourselves through it. Because it's, it's much more than just having things come against us. What God is after is our heart and our mind. And that's why we've been exploring this, because the situations were very much the same. Uh, what we're looking at in the study of Jeremiah is a time period, once we picked up the podcast, from the time period of Jehoiakim the king, after the death of King Josiah, uh, to, to the uh, absolute destruction of Jerusalem and the taking away captive of King Zedekiah and the princes and, and ultimately destroying all but a handful of people. 
um, as a result of the judgment that was allowed to come upon them was only a 22-year period. It all happened within 22 years. And so that may seem like a long time to some, but if you've lived long enough, you realize 22 years is like a blink in the eye. Uh, like Brother Fernando was saying the other day, it seems like, you know, we just went through 9-11, right? Uh, 2001 it doesn't seem that long ago but in fact it's 20 years ago right so it's 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 really uh blown by us man i mean and here we are now here we are and 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 that is why we're exploring because we are seeing incredible parallels and that's what scripture is for we're actually commanded to study the things that happen to them so that we could understand especially those who come up underneath prophetic times when the word of God is being fulfilled in the earth and when it becomes obvious, then we are meant and told and commanded by the apostle Peter in second Peter chapter three, you better go and read what the Holy uh, apostles commandments were and what the, the writings of the Holy prophets, uh, you know, revealed to us. He said in those times, he said, because they will be the compass for your time. They, they'll be the GPS <laughs> of your spiritual walk without them uh, we walk blindly and unfortunately what we are seeing in the united states of america because we've been specifically dealing with the church in this country and its reaction to what's happening it's as if uh they're in a ship uh, that has no rudder and uh and it's and it's it's just being blown whichever way the wind takes it and it's a very precarious and a very serious time and we're seeking answers quite possibly to what it is that's happening and that's why we're looking at what we're looking at. So today, uh, we're going to begin our Monday with uh, a look at a letter that the prophet Jeremiah wrote uh, to the captivity in Babylon. And I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy, if he would, be, to begin our study for today, um, if you would read uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 and, and read uh, verse 1 through 4 uh, in the name of Jesus as we begin our study this week. We encourage you to have your Bibles. We encourage you to uh, to settle in, and, and, and let's continue to to ask God to reveal his word to us in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, would you read those first four verses, please? Yes, amen. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah, the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, the prince of Judah, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters, and the smiths, were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Amen. So I want to draw down on what God said there in verse 4 what you just read, Brother Jeremy. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive. And then he says this, who I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem 
unto Babylon, whom I have caused it. I've caused this to happen. And that's what we're going to be exploring today. You know, we continue to look at Jeremiah precisely because we're seeing so many parallels for the times that we're living in right now. And as we've discussed before, right, the people of God, they're, they're in captivity, and that's who Jeremiah is writing to. And I just want to, and brothers, please jump in when you can and, and want to today, because I really want to have a good discussion. But uh, we, we need to understand, I feel, we must understand and consider what an intense cultural and social shock to the national psychic or psyche, as they say, how, how much this really shocked them, uh, how much this was so shocking to everything that they understood and had been familiar about their experiences as a nation and as the people of God. They were so self-deceived that even when they were in captivity, they didn't get it. They kept desiring or expecting that this was just some kind of temporary blip on the road. This was Nebuchadnezzar. This this was the devil's doing. Mm-hmm. And so when God has Jeremiah write this in verse 4, he wants them to understand what is happening to you. I have caused it. I have. <laughs> and so they were warned for many years, right, for decades by the prophets of old that the nation was in great danger because of its sin and its blatant disregard for the Lord's word and for his warnings, which he had been given, uh, giving them through his prophets for years, decades. And so when this came, you know, sad to, sad to say, you know, when the time actually arrived that they had suddenly been taken captive, they didn't understand it. And, and, and they, sad to say, were going to slowly come to realize that everything that they had known or thought they knew of the Lord, including his blessings and his peace, all of it was now being taken from them, whether they could see it or not. They were in captivity, and it wasn't going to be something that they were going to emerge from in just a few days, weeks, or months. A new paradigm, a paradigm shift had come to them and to their culture. And again, we're talking about the parallels that we see in the, in the judgment that came upon the people of God in Judah and the parallels that we see happening in the United States of America. We're learning from Scripture. We're comparing history with history. And why we, we, we look to them is because America, uniquely so amongst all the nations of the world, has put itself forward in its history as the seat in Western civilization of Judeo-Christian values. And, they, and we have boldly declared that in God we trust, so forth and so on. And we've, we've been over these historical facts concerning America. And so there are many similarities because, like Judah, America has assumed itself to be in a privileged position amongst the nations. It has God's blessing. 
But that blessing, which flowed out of covenant promises in Judah's case, and in the United States case, as it is well documented and recorded in the history uh, you know, of our nation, that, that men called upon God for the blessing to come upon this nation, that those who crossed the, uh, the Atlantic and came to the shores of Virginia Beach in the early 1600s planted the, the cross on the shores of Virginia Beach and dedicated this entire continent uh, to, to the Lord God Almighty. And there was even a time in the 1700s where the early settlers and, and the spiritual of, of the country as it was forming and burgeoning claimed that the United States itself, they viewed themselves as the new Israel, the new blessed people, the new promised land. Of course, uh, the Jews are the <laughs> have the promised land, so forth and so on. We don't want to get into to that today, but, but the, the premise is what we're looking at and why we're taking the time to belabor the point is because we are seeing many of the parallels and many of the characteristics of a culture up underneath judgment precisely because it was a culture that was blessed by the Lord God and a culture that has turned its back completely on God while at the same time coming into the house of God and pretending that they are free to live any way, act any way, do anything, say anything, dress any way, and indulge in anything, and they're free to do it. And they have reached the point, Judah, in including our country, I believe that is the church within it, not all, but many, uh, where they have absolutely no sensitivity to the Spirit of God that is trying to deal with all of us. Right. And the, and <laughs> were you going to say something, brother? Yeah, brother. I, I wanted to, to say, you know, on Friday, uh, something that caught my attention that, that Brother Fernando said is that while we're talking about Judah, it's very difficult to keep my mind about America because it's, it's exactly what is taking place today. Here in America, as in the days of, of Jeremiah, Brother Marty, it's very difficult for the people to grasp what we just read, for example, whom I have caused to be carried away, that God would do this, right? Because that's yeah. not the Jesus that we preach in America. And on, on Friday, I believe it was Friday, I was talking to my family, we were studying the, the, the book of Jeremiah, and we were speaking how so many preachers they, I don't know if the word is shy away from it or they don't want to talk about the judgments of God and, and they'll cop out by saying, well, that's not what God has called me to, to speak. I'm here to speak about God's love. And, and, and so, so many people, because of the way the gospel has been presented over the years, it's very difficult when you begin to touch these subjects about the judgments of God, about captivity, what we're reading here today. And I just wanted to point that out, that it's just, that it's difficult because of the gospel that's been preached today and what these false prophets are saying. And they are continually bringing false hope to the people that, you know, as Hananiah did, right, with all his false prophets, that God is going to break the yoke of Babylon in two years, you know? And it's hard yeah. for us to fathom that. And, and, and the dangers with the danger with this type of thinking in the people is that they will miss the day of his visitation. Mm. You know that God is speaking, and the opportunity for repentance is now. So I just wanted to to add um, toward what you were saying, Brother Marty, 
Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that that that's that's precisely what we're saying, man. I mean, uh, I don't think we fully appreciate it. You know, I mean, I mean that's why we keep digging in uh, because I believe it's the same message which Jeremiah is preaching uh, to his people, which is the same message we need to hear now. See, you know. <laughs> First of all, we need to understand just how incredible and how, like I was saying before the podcast, how absolutely counter-spiritual culture, to throw a you know, modern-day term in there, he was totally counter-culture, counter-culture to his, his, the spiritual reality that was uh, you know, being proposed or the lack of spiritual reality that, or discernment, really, that was happening to these people. And, he, and you know, the last thing that they wanted to, to see, and really, brothers, they couldn't see. Mm-hmm. It was so hard. Yes. You know, a sinner is a sinner. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He said, look, he says, I'm telling you the truth, man, that the, the publicans and the harlots, the whores, he said, the sinners and the whores, he said, are going to get into the kingdom of heaven before you. That's what he told to the religious people, you know, because <laughs> the, the hardest, and why did he say it that way? Because really what he was trying to communicate is that a sinner knows he's a sinner. You know, a harlot knows she's a harlot. And so she doesn't pretend to be something that she isn't, and he doesn't pretend to be something that he isn't. And so they're easier to reach. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The hardest person to reach is somebody who thinks they're okay. Right. And they double down. And and, and that's a religious person. The religion takes many, many forms and, and, and manifests itself in many different ways. But what makes these times unique that we're exploring in the in the book of Jeremiah, like you said, is that this is this is something that happened to them, not overnight. To them it appeared that way. And God continually reiterated to them, I sent my prophets to you over and over and over, but you wouldn't listen. You didn't hear their words. And so we compare that to the United States of America today because we have two different kinds of of camps emerging. And we've had these camps emerging for a long time. And what, what Jeremiah's book reveals is that when God moved in judgment on the nation, his people, which always affects the whole world, but he moved upon his people that he 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 first moved to grab a group of people and take let allow them to be taken captive. And the other group remained in the very seat of national spiritual power where the temple was, where Jerusalem was. And if you dig into that, up underneath a captivity and the shifting uh momentous shifts of historical consequence that was happening to them, you really wouldn't blame some of them who remained back in Jerusalem if they thought that they were the privileged ones. Because after all, the temple's there, right? We still got a king, and we're still living in Jerusalem. As for those others that have been taken captive, maybe that's, you know, God's judging them. You know, who knows? Right, right. Right? But the truth is, is that is that Jeremiah brings clarity to this by the Spirit of the Lord, and he wants them to know something. Again, uh, let, let's dig in a little bit deeper. 
because the captivity, when he sends this letter, has been there now probably about five years, maybe. You know, uh, because we know that when Jehoiakim was deposed and Jeconiah took the throne, the Jeconiah only lasted three months. The, right. That Nebuchadnezzar came down and then took this captivity that you were reading about when we started this Bible study, right? The queen, the eunuchs, and, you know, the carpenters and the smiths and the princes and all these people uh, and regular folk too, right? Just regular folk. They were taken captive. That's that's and then in the fourth year of the reign of Zedekiah, like we studied on Friday, Jeremiah comes out and gives this word. So we know that they've been there probably about five years by the time this letter is sent to them. And all along the way, even though that captivity in Babylon was still thinking that it was going to be let free, and then consequently what we looked at on Friday, the false prophets uh rose up quickly, preaching uh insurrection <laughs> right uh, right now think of the think of this because we've been putting forth the thesis that nebuchadnezzar is a type of the antichrist because he is and mm -hmm. and 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 the fact that his his reach was was uh was global in nature uh, you know of the known world of that day it was a global power it foreshadows what the book of revelation teaches us as we've been exploring ad infinitum that there is coming at the end of time a global power, an enslavement of the entire planet headed by a, a megalomania, despotic, Hitler-like, throw in every kind of ridiculously horrible, you know, uh, dictator we've seen from, from, the, from Nero to Nebuchadnezzar to Nimrod to Pharaoh. I mean, they're all comprised into one dude possessed by the mm -hmm. devil himself. Well, that's what Nebuchadnezzar is a type of. And so what is being revealed here is that to think in the midst of that Antichrist spirit being manifested in the Old Testament here as we're looking into this similar situation, that you can overthrow that and that it, <laughs> it is insanity. And that's what God was trying to say through his prophet. You don't understand what's actually happening. And that's what we're saying right now, we pray humbly so, that we are seeing in the scriptures that it is quite possible that what we are witnessing right now and what is ten, uh, transpiring right now that has now come to rest on the shores of what was once the seat of Judeo-Christian power, wherein we have a Laodicean-like church that is completely overrun by false prophets, it doesn't understand what's actually happening. It, <laughs> Right. Any thoughts? That 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 enlarges, you know, to me, the fact that Jeremiah was wearing a yoke. This was not a one-time thing, right? Uh, for right. exhibition, he had been carrying this yoke for fifteen years. It began at the at the reign of Jehoiakim, right? For eleven years until he died. And then came his son that, and as you said, he reigned for about three months or so. Yes. And it lasted four years into Zedekiah's reign. Yes. Where this, this, you know, in other words, God had been talking to them. And listen, this, to speaking to the audience, listen, it's, it, it's, it's powerful because this, this wasn't just some symbolic thing that God told Jeremiah to do. These are drastic measures that God 
had to take because they would not listen any longer to the prophecies and to the word that the prophet Jeremiah was bringing. So he has to tell Jeremiah, put on a yoke. You know, so for 15 years, this was something that the people saw, right? This wasn't just a captivity, that, like you said, that just came overnight. And, and then Jeremiah says, I have sent my prophets from early yes. to you, and you have not listened. And then we get here 15 years later to where where there's this confrontation, what we studied, Brother Marty, uh, against Hananiah and all of his false prophets, which was about, to be nice, and 90% of the people had all had all turned their lot in with Hananiah and, and, and by by standing with Hananiah they were saying we don't believe the word and the warning that you're saying. And what this did, it broke the camel's back because it came everything came to a fruition that these people have made up their mind. Remember you're talking about two camps that are existing yeah. even today right now, that they will not believe the word of God. And what happened? The time clock began within those days where seven years later, Zedekiah would be uh, have his eyes plucked out, have his children um, uh, killed in front of him. Seven years. And to me, yeah. that's, that, that right. signifies something something deeper, Brother Marty. Yeah, and, the, and, also, and also, right, the destruction of the temple and, and the tearing yeah. down of the walls of Jerusalem. How far can we go, really? How far are we willing to go in what it is that we are believing we're seeing? And we're very cautious about what we say. It is, it is a precarious place that our country finds itself in. But the world will be the world, as always. But it is God that is dealing with his church. There are those that are highly confused <laughs> as to what's going on. There are those who really don't get it or don't even, it doesn't matter to them. They're so wrapped up in their own personal lives and their own personal, you know, reality that they don't even think in terms of the spirit. And then there's those who are the hyper spiritual false ones. Mm -hmm. who, since the beginning of all that is transpiring, have been spewing out one false prophecy after another, and no one holds them to account. Right. And yet, and yet it is that group that draws more disciples to themselves. But see, the, the beauty in what we're seeing revealed here is that into that climate, and again, I reemphasize, these are when the times are unique and when true prophetic fulfillment is happening where you can go to the word and say my god that's what it says right here and that's what we're seeing but to have a prophecy fulfilled is one thing but to have the prophecies beginning to be fulfilled that are supposed to be the ones that trigger an end time generation's attention to understand that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that before the kingdom of heaven is realized, what we have unfolded before us in the prophetic scriptures is a description of the final years of human history that will culminate with the return of the Lord and the decimation of all evil and the destruction of, of Satan and his power once and for all and completely. 
this is why it is very intense to to explore what we're exploring and why in the midst of this because remember when we're looking at this historical account of the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem its walls its people that a select remnant was taken captive by God for their good in the midst of it prior to the ultimate fulfillment of a final uh once for let me put it this way once Jerusalem was out of the way that was the last um piece that 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 uh that was removed which now solidified the 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 global empire of Babylon and and so <laughs> that is precisely what the scriptures teach us is going to happen in the end of time is that there is coming a judgment of such a nature that the visible false church is ultimately going to be taken uh, uh, into a position of absolute destruction by the very uh, spirit of Antichrist that we're seeing revealed here through the life of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire as it affected the people of God. So when Jeremiah sends this letter, he sends it to the captivity after the death of the prophet Hananiah. And we talked about that on Friday, this confrontation they had. And what he says in the letter to them that are captive is that, <laughs> understand this isn't the devil who took you there. It is God who allowed this to happen to you. Brother Jeremy, that's what he tried to say, like you were saying, uh, that that year. He said it that year when he brought forth that message to Zedekiah. Could you read that to us, what he told him, what he told the king in Jeremiah 27, verse 12 through 14? What did he say? He said, I spake also to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon, and serve him and his people, and live. Okay, Why would right he there. die? Stop right there. First of all, think of the outrageousness of what that would mean to stand up in, in the kind of experience that we're having right now in this nation. Jeremiah stands up and tells the people, of the church in the United States. You don't get it. And you better uh, not, you know, uh, you know, be driving up and down the streets in your four-wheel drive pickups with your Trump flags and your American flags and your <laughs> and your AR-15 shouting to the heavens with a Bible in one hand and, you know, I'm, I'm an American, you know, and then you all ain't going to have your... Is it possible? that what is happening is all about separating the wheat from the chaff within the body of Christ itself, exposing the false prophets and preserving a holy remnant unto himself who is receiving divine instruction how to survive and navigate through these end times. Hallelujah. Because Jeremiah telling, telling the king, hey, and telling the people, Bring your necks under the yoke? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's foreign. Right. <laughs> That's a whole different way of looking at things. 
because that's not our nature, and that's not the nature of these people. Man, my God, they had a David, they had a Solomon, they have the oracles of God, they have the most magnificent capital city, the eighth wonder of the ancient world. And in spite of all the judgment that's, you know, flying all around us, we're so blind we can't see it or discern it. And now you come and tell us it's over and we're just to roll over and let this thing happen to us? Wow, man. Mm. Go ahead, verse 12, uh, verse 13. What else does he say to them? He says, why will ye die, thou and thy people, by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, as the Lord hath spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? That is just their thing, right? Yes. Think about that. Mm-hmm. What what were the three characteristics that he said would begin to come upon them for resisting? The sword, that's violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Famine, Famine, lack of food, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And what else? Pestilence. I ask you, is that that's 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 what Jeremiah revealed is how God speaks to His nation. Yeah. When you come up under this kind of violence, when you come up under uh, food shortages, and when you are experiencing famine, all three simultaneously understand God is dealing with you. Mm-hmm. Verse fourteen, brother Jeremy. Therefore, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. Dude, (laughs) brothers, you got to help me here. Because, I mean, seriously, think about this. You tell me that Jeremiah would have any more of an impact in our culture today with that kind of a message right now. Let Bill Gates have his way. Let Agenda 2030 happen, man. Let the United Nations go. Let the Global Economic Forum have this global reset. Let Just let them do it. How do you think? <laughs> oh, we're in trouble. I saw a preacher I saw a preacher on on YouTube speaking about look at these preachers after what what this coronavirus is causing them to speak I mean he was he was going off on people you pastors are wimps who are closing your churches who who do you mm-hmm. this is the time to be fighting back I mean and he's going off and all the crowd is cheering him he says especially if you have a 2 3 million dollar building and for you to be have to be to be having church on a trailer, a three thousand dollar trailer outside, you are uh, pretty much a wimp. I'm not going to use whatever whatever words you used. And <laughs> he, he's he's chastising and telling us yeah. that now is the time to be fighting for our rights and be fighting for this and that. <laughs> and that's exactly but, what what Hananiah did to Jeremiah, right? Read that to us, brother Jeremiah. Much. In, 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 in chapter 28, we talked about it Friday. For those of you who just joined us, go back and listen to Friday's podcast in this great conversation between two prophets and two messages. When when Jeremiah told him, hey, he told him, hey, this is the way it is. And he didn't want to hear it. And so, like, you're talking about that dude you saw on TV attacking those who who, are, who haven't opened their churches, so forth and so on. He's like, he's like the Hananiah. What did Hananiah do to the prophet Jeremiah in verse 10? 28, 10. He says... 
Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it and broke it. And he broke it. He attacked his message, right? Yes. He not only attacked the message and the messenger, he broke it. He destroyed it. And that's what they're trying to do now. That's why we're talking about there's two camps that are emerging now. See, once the captivity happened and they took all those people to Babylon and it left the whole group behind, God gave Jeremiah insight. Could you read that to us again, Brother Jeremy? Because we, we covered that in our in our first two parts of this series back called The Good Figs and the Bad Figs. What did God show him in, in chapter 24, verse 1? Could you read that to us? Yes. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the prince of Judah, with the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. Incredible. So the prophet seeking wisdom from the Lord, his attention is drawn. Uh, to a particular time of year, and we we talked about that. It's the fig. It's the fig harvest, and whenever and that occurs in August. And we just thought that was kind of you know ironic that we're we're actually covering Jeremiah in August, right? But that occurred in August, and and this captivity is taken away from Jerusalem. The people of God, man. I mean, God's children, who had been so blessed. I mean, who's the children of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, go down the list. They have been taken captive, right? And and, and you know uh, what God shows Jeremiah is so beautiful and, and, and also so profoundly insightful to us because, because what appeared to be uh, destruction and defeat was in fact how God showed him in Jeremiah 24.1. He showed it to him in the form of two baskets of figs. Two separate baskets presented or placed in front of the temple of God, which represents his presence. And so what he was literally saying is that this is a work of my presence. And the two baskets of figs, one he calls good, the other one he calls evil. And the good figs, he says, are the ones who have actually been removed from the capital city, from the public square, from the figurehead or 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 the source, the fountain source of, of all what appears to be spiritual. And so what appeared to be something uh, in removing them, uh, he's actually saying by showing him these two baskets of figs presented before his temple, which represents his presence, is that everything that is happening, uh, Prophet Jeremiah, is happening as a result of my spirit. And what's actually happening is I'm separating those I'm going to preserve from those that I have concluded as being being irredeemable. And understand that this is a work of my spirit. And so when he writes this letter, <laughs> it's after that confrontation with Hananiah, and, and, and they've already been split into two separate camps. And, and the captives... Uh, between the captives and those that are left. And so he turns his attention first in chapter 27 and begins to prophesy to Jerusalem. Can you read that to us again in uh, 27, verse 14 through 16? Yes. 
Therefore hearken not unto the words of the prophets that speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. For I have not sent them, saith the Lord, yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I might drive you out, and that you might perish, ye and the prophets that prophesy unto you. Also I spake to the priest and to all this people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hearken not to the words of your prophets that prophesy unto you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house shall now shortly be brought again from Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you. First of all, that's incredible because what they couldn't see is that the vessels of the Lord, the very instruments, the implements, the altar, the altar was taken, the altar of incense, the menorah, uh, the brazen altar were sacrificed. All of that had been taken away. The only thing that was left was the brazen labor, which is like we talked to the audience before. Is that it, it's it's in the shape of a big giant bowl, like a small little pool, where they would put the water in, and it symbolized the washing of the water of the word. And two pillars, which were meant for ornamentation in the in the temple. That's all that was left. And 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 he's saying, listen. Uh, the only thing that, that what they began to prophesy after that was that they're going to have this great revival that the vessels are all coming back. The source of that teaching came from Hananiah, who in the next chapter is about to lose his life because he has cultivated an entire attitude amongst the backslidden prophets, priests, wow. and people wow. that in the midst of this terrible thing that the people have been taken captive, they still wouldn't repent. They still kept preaching a pseudo-revival. That this is, you know, this is great awakenings coming. This great victory. We're taking dominion over Nebuchadnezzar. He said, they're telling you lies. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. They're lying to you. And they couldn't mm -hmm. see. They didn't even have the instruments necessary to perform their ministerial duties. It had been shut down. Mm -hmm. They could pretend, right? They could pretend, but they didn't have everything they needed to be the church anymore. It'd been taken captive. It'd been taken from them. The same thing is happening now. Yeah. Yeah. Brother Brother Marty, I think Jeremiah is a foreshadow of Christ as well mm -hmm. uh, in Matthew 23 and 24. Uh, now, we're speaking yeah. about the, the Empire of Babylon already having taken the captives. So they're in the captivity, but there's more to come. Right there's 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 harsher things that are coming their way, but yeah. in Matthew 23, Jesus addresses the Hananiahs of his day, the Pharisees, right? Yeah. And 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 in in Matthew 24, he he gives a message to the disciples. Again, we're talking about this not being a a popular message, you know. Uh, Jeremiah is telling the people of his day to submit themselves uh, under the hand of of of, of Nebuchadnezzar. Right, and it will be well with them. It is God's yeah. will, right, to preserve yeah. them, right, for their good. And, and Jesus, you know, remember in Matthew 24 how the chapter starts. The 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 disciples are like, look, Lord, look at the incredible temple. Isn't it incredible? Right, marvelous. <laughs> and Jesus gives them a very unpopular message. He says, yeah. uh, "Verily I say unto you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down." He was prophesying the destruction of the temple yeah right, right? 
just like Jeremiah did. And, and, yeah. and Jeremiah saw it, right? So it, it, this is, again, Jesus preached this kind of message that Jeremiah, Jeremiah preached to his own disciples. And then he yeah. goes about in Matthew 25 to talk to them about the, the parable of, of the ten virgins, which, again, speaks of a separation, right, yeah. that, that would come at the end of the age. Uh, again, we're, we're talking about two baskets of figs, some that were good mm. and some, some that mm-hmm. were not, some that were evil, a separation yeah. that's taking place. So if we have mm-hmm. eyes to see, he's, 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 and he's a foreshadow, Jeremiah, of Christ. Right, and yeah. not just Christ two thousand years ago in his first advent, but a foreshadow of his his, his, his second advent, which is to come, the second yeah. coming. So it, it, it all ties up if we have eyes to see. The message remains the same. When things get so messed up within God's peoples, God will send judgment to bring about a division to preserve those that are His, and to send into judgment and ultimately wrath those that right. don't belong to him. Right. And the destruction yeah. of Judah was exactly that. It foreshadows the wrath of God. It's prophesied, right, in the book of Revelation, in, in Second Thessalonians, and in other places where it talks about the ultimate right. wrath of God. It always begins as it, well, I don't, shouldn't say always, but it appears to begin always uh, with with the decline of his own people. Right. Even in the book of Revelation, we see Jesus standing outside uh, the seventh church that's mentioned there, Revelation chapter three, uh, verse twenty, somewhere in there, where he's he's knocking on the door of the Laodicean church. They're inside having a party, right? Uh, we're rich, we're increased with goods, we have needed nothing, and and he says the truth is you're poor, you're blind, you're miserable, and you're naked, and he's standing on the outside knocking, uh, trying to get in, which means that that he's him himself has been removed from the Laodicean-type spirit church, which is a representative of the end-time church, which I believe that spirit has come to rest here in the United States and in the West as a whole. Why? Is it not the, the, the thrust of our of our gospel today, that, our so-called gospel that we hear preached today, is all about we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, you know? And what's interesting is that message is the very thing that, that removes Jesus from the house. Because Jesus, like you said, Brother Fernando, preaches a completely different message to us. He talks about self-sacrifice in view of an eternal uh, uh, reward. He talks about laying down your life now uh, that you might take it up in in the realm of forever. He talks about taking up your cross and following him. And those who refuse to do that, like you were pointing out on Friday uh, about uh, the, the circular aspect of prophecy. And how it begins small and it recycles and and gets bigger. And then what you just pointed out in Matthew 24, where he was predicting the destruction of Jerusalem then in AD 70, it even got bigger, right? And then the the word is predicted from there that at the end of days, which we believe we're living in now, it comes full circle again. Each and every time it was a global power that destroyed the, the religious establishment and the compromised within it. It happened in the days of Jeremiah. It happened in the days of the apostles after Jesus ascended to heaven in AD 70 when the Romans came. 
the global power of that day, and then it's predicted to happen again when another global superstate arises. Only this time, like you said and pointed out correctly, so it's going to be all invested and poured into one super soldier of the devil himself, right? The inhabitant, uh, you know, the the possessor of this one we call Antichrist, this this one that's coming, and it'll be preceded by a a, a surveillance state and and an absolute overrunning of, of the globe completely dominated by the spirit of antichrist and that's what all of this is foreshadowing and what we're asking and and why it's happening and it's come to rest in the united states of america is that we are living under those times and what's incredible to me as well brothers is what brother jeremy just read you know that first prophecy where he's telling them don't listen to these false prophets you don't even get that you're already under judgment you're already in captivity you don't see it you don't understand it. And that's what I found fascinating this morning is it's incredible what happened. And we can learn from it in our time because we're witnessing the same thing. I mean, the false prophets, they arose in mass. I mean, there was a whole bunch of them, man, right? As soon as this this judgment began, this captivity came upon them, this rise of the super surveillance state of their day and the Antichrist figure Nebuchadnezzar, they began, once they began to be affected by it, here into this vacuum comes an enormous amount of false prophets. This is the work of the devil. This is incredible warfare, brothers. His design was to destroy the prophetic word of a future Messiah in their day. That's what he was trying to do. And by destroying the whole nation uh, through their disobedience and lack of discernment. That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to destroy the whole nation. He was trying to corrupt the captivity, and he was trying to corrupt the remaining people uh, that were in Jerusalem and destroy them all. Mm -hmm. Because in so doing, he would thwart, again, like we talked about on Friday, the ultimate big-picture prophetic plan and purpose of God that was settled in the councils of heaven, working all things according to the good pleasure of his own will, for the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world and all that. That's what these things and moments, you know, these momentous historical occasions are about throughout the planet and throughout history. This is a conflict that is occurring in the heavenly realm. It is playing itself out in the material realm upon the planet Earth. It has cycled and recycled, cycled and recycled, and been enlarged every single time. And the and the focal point of the attack is always on the children of God. But after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a new nation was born. The church of the living God, made up of both Jew and Gentile. And they were scattered amongst all the nations. And they became his church. But he predicted that the church itself would would fall away. And it would give way because of that falling away to this super state. It makes a way. Indicative of the times are false prophets, dreams, visions, and the inability to recognize and to discern properly what it is that's actually taking place. But God is always faithful because he always has his prophets, always. And he always has his children in the midst of it. That's what blew me away, right? And like we said, go ahead, brother. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, 
you know, another thing is to look at is Hananiah and Jeremiah, the confrontation took place inside of the temple, right? Of the temple yeah. of God. And, and we see that Jesus in his ministry, not once, but at least twice, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brother Marty, but at least twice he goes inside the temple and cleans house, right? Yeah. At least twice. And then what uh, what, we, what Brother, Brother Fernando was saying about Matthew 24, as, as the disciples were looking at the beauty of the temple, and, and we see that Jesus would tell them, and we would see it 70 years after uh, Titus, 70 AD, would come and destroy the temple. Now, that's not sufficient. That, that wasn't just the purpose to destroy the temple. It's what happened right after a image was erected there, an image, a type of the Antichrist image in the very place where the temple was destroyed. And so that's what we see what was going on. It wasn't just a destruction of the God's people, but it's to uh, replace it, right, uh, with yes. this Antichrist, a Babylonian. You know, he would make an image just a few years yeah. later, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm correct, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> that's right. Well, and, like and it, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, again, that's an important point to make. In From this point of view, what the scripture plainly reveals to us, we believe, is that is that it the devil always has to, to remove uh, the church from its position of, of sanctification, you know, being separated from the world, and it, and, 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 and its proclamation of, of, of its allegiance to the holy declarations of our creator, he needs to corrupt and compromise it in order for it to lose its legal authority. And then the vacuum allows his will to be expressed in the earth. And his will is to dominate the whole planet. It's what he wants to do. It's what he's attempted to do since the Garden of Eden. It's what he attempted to do in eternity past, and it's what he's attempting to do now. But it can never happen except there be a falling away. When the people of God reach the point of being absolutely unreachable and so convinced of, in their own self-righteousness that they don't have to repent or even have a clue that they need to repent. And when it reaches that point, like you're talking about, Brother Jeremy, that's when the spirit of Antichrist raises up in its fullest form. And that is why, because if you look at the history of what we're seeing right now, the, you know, you've seen the persecution of the church taking place in the third world nations of the world and up underneath communist China in our time, in North Korea and throughout Africa and in some parts of South and Central America, throughout uh, Eastern Europe and, and, in, and, in, and, in the, uh, and, and, and in Asia Minor up in India. You know, there's been persecutions going on. But the flow of, of Western civilization, which literally brought light to the world because of the gospel, we saw the decline of Western Europe to the point that their churches have, are basically empty, and they only have about a 5% church attendance now throughout Western Europe, London and Scotland, Ireland, you know, throughout France and all those places. Uh, and, then, and then so it came to rest in the United States, and we became that glorious shining nation for a brief period of time but now we which were the apex of those who purported to be a judeo-christian nation influencing the whole of the world much like judah of its time that was designed to be that 
that paragon of virtue and disseminator of the oracles of God, a light on a on a hill, as Jesus described it, when they fell away, it gave way to the rise of, of the global state. It had to be removed. And that is the working of Satan. That is what Paul talked about, who's coming, is after the working of Satan, right? <laughs> and that is what we have seen transpire in this country, is the working of iniquity, the mystery of iniquity, the, the idolatry of all of us. We're not pointing the finger at everybody, just them over there. It, it, judgment begins at the house of God. And if we'll all be honest, have we actually walked with God consistently, not failing and going from glory to glory since the day we met him? I highly doubt it. And if that's the case, we'll just shut up and let you teach that. But the truth of the matter is, is that those that were brought into captivity were selected by God so that he could work on them in captivity. That's what he's doing right now. In my opinion, go ahead. No, it, it's it's powerful because um, e even the vessels that were taken, you know, what Hananiah tries to, but what he prophesied that in two years he would give us back the vessels. Daniel one that speaks about how the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand was part with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried unto the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And what he was doing, and he says, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God, putting uh, putting the vessels that was putting, uh, well, I don't know what other word to use, but Christianity at par with every other religion. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's what, the, that's what the devil, I mean, here in America, there was a time where we were able to distinguish Christianity. But now we have so... Um, lessened it i don't know what, what other word to use brother marty uh we have so um cheapened it i don't know if that's the correct word yeah. and we and we put christianity as looked as just another religion yeah you see and, all, and that's and the work of the enemy yeah. yes and and that's what i believe in part what was taking place in in nebuchadnezzar putting the vessels of god i said look i conquered you're just like any other religion, you know, because <laughs> it was there in his temple, his God, with the other, with the other nations and their gods that they had conquered, right? And, and that's yeah. what's happened here in America. Christianity is no longer distinguished. It's it's it has been put in a level just like any other thought religion, Eastern religion, you know, Christianity, right. Islam, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Yeah. That, that's that's a really powerful point. And and that's uh, that's uh, oh man we could we could <laughs> I mean when you think about what they carried away you know the altar of incense very reflective of of the lack of holy prayer and intercession the brazen altar the fact that no one uh, would confess their sins and 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 come to the Lord by way of the cross of Jesus Christ which where we where we where we appeal to Him to to take our sins away because only He can. You know, there's there's no confession of sin. There's no prayer to God in humility, and subsequently the menorah, which represents the the the, the church, right? Uh, the light has gone yes. out and ta been taken captive, as well as the bread, right, in the holy place, which is the table of showbread representing the twelve tribes of Israel. But the bread itself, the wow. true word of God in the hidden place, the secret place, mm. and the ark of the covenant, right? The presence of God, you know, ultimately would be taken. Uh, but what was left was simply a bowl of water, <laughs> the brazen altar. That's all that was wow. left. But, 
but with, without the cross, without prayer, without the oil in the lamp, all you're left with is the word and two ornamented mm-hmm. uh, pillars. And, and it was as if God was saying, and what the, you know, what was left is all that really was there. They don't have light because they don't. They they have the word, but they have no cross. They have grace, but they have no smiting of sin, so to speak, as Brother Wilkinson right. would say. So all they have is an <laughs> ornamented church. It actually does nothing, supports nothing, but it looks pretty. Ah, uh, come on, somebody, <laughs> <laughs> my Lord. So we have this confrontation right in chapter 28. We're, we're, we, this is the introduction for this week's study. But, you know, we have this confrontation as you've been talking about. And uh, and the two national prophets come together. We encourage you to listen to Friday's podcast uh, because it resulted in, in the confrontation of the two words that emerged. Jeremiah based his validity to be a prophet on the scriptures that were revealed to the prophets that had come before him and the manner in which they preached and warned the nation. Hananiah, contrawise, was a, was was one who prophesied of his own imagination, his own ideas, his own thoughts, his own concepts, and his desire to be the center of attention for ego, promotion, prosperity, and and he preached what the people wanted to hear, and it came to a head, right? We looked at that, and he so violently opposed Jeremiah, which he just read in twenty eight ten, right? Is that he took that yoke that he had been wearing and he broke it, but in so doing. He sealed his fate, and he died within the right. year, in the seventh month, right? 27 or 28 verse, uh, what the verse is that? Where it says that, so the prophet Hananiah, the national prophet, died that same year. I think God is telling us that some of these guys that are out there right now, and I am very careful what I say, listen, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I'm just saying if the pattern holds, we're going to see some of these guys die. Something's going to happen. Days are numbered. Uh, because they have they have taught rebellion against the Lord, and they are encouraging the people of God to rise up. You know, Brother Fernando, you mentioned this a few weeks ago when we were talking about Samuel. You had mentioned uh, how that they brought the ark, uh, you know, to fight against the Philistines. Remember, Hannah, who was it, Hophni and Phinehas? Uh, Israel went out to battle, and they lost the yeah. battle, Right. And so rather than repenting and seeking God and asking why they would lose the battle, they go and get the ark, right? Tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. that, what you think. Yeah, it's. It, I think we spoke about it quite often where, um, you know, they, they it wasn't the will of God for them to go over there. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't seek the counsel of God. And it looked all religious in the surface, right? Because yes. they're taking the ark of the covenant with them. Uh, which is a type of the presence of the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. But, it, it, and they begin to shout, they begin to do all these spiritual things, but what it brought about was death. God did not send them. God did not give them permission to to go into battle and, and ultimately cause death. And and that's that's how really how the modern day church treats the presence of God today. And yeah. and it's something that is sacred. You know what I mean? It's It's holy. And, and and if we're not careful with it, uh, it can bring about, for sure, spiritual death and possibly, as, as we're talking about here, physical death, which is uh, very scary. Very much so. And and 
And like you said, you know, they they brought the presence of God because they controlled it, or at least the representative piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant. They controlled the presence, or so they thought they did. You know, they looked like they had the presence. But the presence of God was never uh, meant to be in a piece of furniture. It meant only to represent it, right? And 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 they they fought their own, uh, you know, <laughs> their own propaganda. These these national prophets here in the United States, just like in Judah, Hananiah, representing all of them. There's a whole bunch of them that they have schooled into being this way, into thinking this way, in the midst of what they uh, should have recognized was the hand of God trying to deal with his people. Instead, they doubled down and began to preach, oh, the vessels are coming back. We're going to have this great revival. You know, we're going to wrap ourselves in our patriotism and our spirituality, so so-called, and we're going to see this great victory. I read an article from the Christian Broadcasting Network. Uh, saying how America experiencing a great spiritual awakening uh, under the COVID virus. And I said, really? We're, what the, really? <laughs> what? what America are you talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What America you talking Last night I saw images of what they did in Portland last night. They, they, they've been burning Bibles in the streets. You're talking wow. to me about a spiritual awakening? And last night they had a, a, a guillotine. Like the Jacobin Revolution, man, these Marxists, they're, they're threatening to cut our heads off. They had a guillotine out in the middle of the street in front of the federal building. They put a, an American flag on top of that guillotine, and they lit it on fire. But the 700 well, Club tells us we're having a spiritual awakening. Oh, we are having a spiritual awakening, but it has nothing to do with God. This is demonic. Hmm. And if you're going to go running out there with your little pea shooters and 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 <laughs> – and 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 quoting the latest vision from the false prophets of, of the school of Hananiah of the day, you're going down. You just don't understand that yet. The people of God need to be wise and listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. It cost Hananiah his life. He died in the seventh month. And that sent shockwaves 800 miles away into Babylon for those who had been you know, keeping their clothes nice and clean, putting on their uh, shoelaces nice and tight, because at any moment we're about to have this great revival and go back to Jerusalem. And Jeremiah is now elevated in chapter 29, which is where we began our study and where we'll pick it up tomorrow. Um, he sends a letter to the captives, and he begins to reiterate to them, don't think that this is going to end anytime soon. This is God's doing, and it's all about him preserving you, but he's also going to work on you. You know, you, you barely made it through by the skin of your teeth, by the providence of God. You've been selected. If, if, if there's any of you out there that are being stirred by the Spirit of the Lord, some of you might even be mad. Some of you might have already turned this off thinking, you guys are insane. I don't want to hear that. Well, that's okay, too. We're just telling you what we believe the Lord is showing us and we're taking you to the scriptures as a proof text that we can apply the same lens to our time quite conceivably we're talking global events global empires global dictators and a world under slavery and a church that needs to be corrected and we believe that's what's happening now there are those that are going to react in two different ways those that will resist and try to thwart what's begun and they're going to suffer the consequences. And then there's those who will, it'll slowly begin to dawn on them because God is faithful to, to reveal his word 
this is the Lord's doing and we better settle in and walk wise in these times and listen to what thus saith the Lord by his spirit through his word and we will ensure that we will for the time um, until whatever else is yet to be revealed to us for the time he told them uh, (laughs) understand first and foremost the first thing you need to wrap your head around Verse 4. Could you read it, Brother Jeremy? Verse 4 in chapter 29. Yes. It's, uh, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. First thing I want you to understand, God says to them, after the great prophet that they'd all been hoping was telling the truth died, When he died, so did his prophecy. It wasn't coming to pass. And it began to suddenly dawn on them 800 miles from all they had ever known. That they weren't coming out soon. And that's the beauty of God, though. Because he now elevates Jeremiah even further. And now Jeremiah becomes the, the pastor and prophet. The prophet and the pastor. And he begins to send them instruction and says, the first thing you need to understand is you are where you are because God caused it to be. He allowed it to be and he's in control. You need to understand that, church, right now. God is in control. But what you see and how you see it it will be vital to how you navigate and survive in these most prophetic times. And Jeremiah begins to unfold that to them and reveal that to them and comfort that very thing uh, by his word that he sends to them, that God is in control. And you will come out. We'll look at this tomorrow because then he begins. I could hurry through it, but I don't want to. He begins to lay out a strategy to them. And I believe that we can glean from this and learn some very incredible things about how we should be acting in these times right now. Don't go out there and start, you know, pounding your your drumsticks on your 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 uh, your steel trash cans. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, blowing your horns and 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 you know, stomping your feet. Don't do it. What's happening is global. It's prophetic, and you better, you know, hunker down. And fellowship with those who understand the time. Seriously, get together with your families, look at the Word of God, and navigate yourself by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now is not the time to be marching in the street. Now is not the time to be suing the government or to be mm. pretending like you're some kind of a false martyr. Are you kidding me? Go go live in North Korea for a while and then talk to me about martyrdom. Exactly. You know, don't, don't tell me you're a martyr for God because, in, you know, you, you got served a subpoena in your $3 million, you know, 2,000-seat air-conditioned building somewhere. You're suffering for Jesus? Give me a break. You have no idea. And all you're doing is making it more difficult. All you're doing is preaching rebellion. And I know I'm standing on the Word of God. We're standing on the Word of God. We see the example in the life of the prophet Jeremiah and the true pastor, Pastor Jeremiah, he begins to give instruction to the people by the Spirit of God, and indeed, it would preserve them, and they would prosper, and they would not diminish. That is the promise of God for our times right now. We're going to explore that a little further this, more further this week, 
as we continue in our studies in Jeremiah. We love you, and uh, we look forward to the rest of this week. And we pray for you and your family. And keep looking up because you know what? Jesus is coming soon. It's not going to be long. He's coming mm-hmm. soon. And uh, and that is our hope. And that is our joy. And that is the anchor of our souls. And our and for our families, our children, and our loved ones, that is what we're looking forward to. Not this world, man. This world is in our home. <laughs> we're just passing mm-hmm. through. We love you. Brother Jeremy, Brother Sinan, or anybody else? I was uh, I was thinking about the word you used last week. Uh, you have to be uh, stealthy or stealth mode Christians, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. In these times, and you find evidence of Jesus doing the same thing in his ministry. You know, there were times where he wanted to be seen, and times where he didn't want to be seen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and it was by design of the Holy Spirit because he understood the spirits that were in the, in the hearts of men or or who they were governed by, right? Yeah. So that's that's very important to uh and like you said, Brother Fernando, uh being stealthy, being hidden. Mm. Um, you're mm. right, because because it says many times in the scriptures, he passed through the midst of them. Yeah. Unseen. Right. Unseen. Right. Mm. Mm. Think about that. That's that's the side of Jesus many people don't know. Yeah. Um and uh, I think that we need to apply the way he moved in his ministry uh, in our in our daily lives. You know, sometimes uh, there's time, you know, to 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 be out there and evangelize, preach the gospel. And sometimes there's just times where you have to be stealthy and, and examine and, yeah. and, and inspect exactly what's going on. And it's OK. Like. You know, the churches are closed, you know, so people might be saying, well, what are you saying, Brother Marty? Don't go to church? Just accept everything that's coming? No, no, that's not what we're saying. You gather around godly people. You yeah. know, uh, the the sanctuary was destroyed in the days of Jeremiah, the temple. But the Lord said yeah. through the prophet Ezekiel, even though I scattered you to the, to, the, to the countries of the world, he says, I will be to you where you are at, a little Hallelujah. sanctuary. The churches are closed, but we have a little sanctuary that we can make and God can and God can be reached. He can be reached right where you're at. He designed it this way. Almost to remind us, have you forgotten how you began? Lord I was your sanctuary where you sought my face and cried out to me. That's what the Lord is doing right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Hallelujah. <laughs> Tried and true. You know, I, I really believe that uh, this is what the Lord has us in, in the book of Jeremiah. And I think this is the Lord's doing. Because um, I suspect that right around the corner is a global captivity that is coming upon this world. And yeah. God has given us instructions as the saints of God how to properly discern, how to properly ascertain uh, what to do in this hour. Because it's no longer enough just to know that these are the last days. We must be as the sons of Ishakar that not only knew, but knew what to do. So this is the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God telling us and warning us 
because it is just right around the corner, this global captivity that is coming. And by the grace of God, if you stay in his word, if you stay connected, if you hear the instruction of God, not only you will save your life, but the life of your family and those that are around you. What a way to start this week with a powerful study. We pray that you've been blessed today. We pray that this word has in some way challenged you, uh, in some way encouraged you to continue to get ready. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.